Praise the Lord. Today I want to preach a message entitled, God Will Deliver You. God Will Deliver You. Um, I am grateful for the opportunity to be able to minister the gospel of Jesus Christ. One of the things I feel is getting lost in our services, in, in just in all of Christianity, is the understanding that God will deliver his people. And those who really want deliverance can be free. It's, it's one thing to uh, kind of deal with something that you don't really want to get rid of. You don't want to get rid of it. Trust me, God's not going to help you with it. Uh, a friend of mine just recently posted something so good on Facebook. I'm not quoting it because I, I don't have it in front of me and I can't, I can't quote it. But uh, the essence of it was simply this. That until we are absolutely disgusted with that thing that we don't want in our lives, we cannot be delivered. And I believe that that is absolutely true. My heart is burdened for those who feel in your heart as though somehow you cannot break free from a life of either sin or a habit. You know, there are habits that we can have that can essentially be working against our bodies. The Bible says that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And you may look in the Bible and say there's nothing that says it's a sin. And I agree. There are oftentimes things in our lives that we, we give ourselves to and nothing in the Bible that says there's anything against it. But Paul says that not everything, though it may be permissible, not everything is beneficial. And brothers and sisters, I don't know about you, but I want to grab hold of that which is beneficial for me. Whatever it might be, and I'm here to let you know today, this is not about, you know, God's going to deliver you out of trouble today. This message, I want to encourage those today who may be struggling with something that you, for years you've been dragging along behind you, and you cannot break free. It's kind of like that you know, the cartoon that, that we used to see years ago, the little caricature of an individual who, you know, had a ball and chain around the ankle and just would be walking and dragging that big old ball with them. And brothers and sisters, oftentimes we want to serve God. We want God in our lives. But there are things that we're dragging along behind us that I believe hold us back in many ways from what God really, really wants to do in our lives and how God really wants to use us. So often we feel as though maybe that one thing exempts us from what God wants us to be and all that he desires to do in our lives. I'm here to let you know, brothers and sisters, that today you absolutely can be free. I just saw in the news yesterday about how uh, the Chilean miners who have been trapped for two months now, the drill broke through to where they were. And we have been watching over the last couple of months, they were able to get a camera down into that room and where they were uh, some over 2,000 feet under the ground, I believe it is. I'm not sure what the depth is exactly, but just so far underneath the earth, I can't imagine being cooped up in a place like that for as long as they have been cooped up. And now there's such 
joy and elation. And I, I read the comment of one of the, the ministers of, of the country, uh, not gospel ministers, the ministers of uh, a particular department in that country. And he said, you know, we haven't rescued anybody yet. And we're not going to be satisfied. We're not going to be happy until that last miner is pulled out of that hole in the ground and pulled through that escape shaft that they have made. And brothers and sisters, so often we get into the mode of, well, this is the way things are going to be in my life. I'm just going to sit back and I'm going to accept the way that it is. I'm here to let you know that God has freedom in store for you. God doesn't want you to sit below the ground in a hole saying, this is just how I'm going to exist in my life. I can be free today. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to John chapter 8. And we're going to move around a little bit in Scripture today. John chapter 8, and I want to start reading at verse 31. Oh, by the way, I'm sorry, I should have mentioned this earlier. Candace came to me just right after the worship and said, and after we had that time of prayer and said, I haven't been able to lift my arm. I've been worried, concerned, haven't been able to lift my arm. And then she said, but the Lord touched me. The Lord touched me. I'm here, to, brothers and sisters, God is in this place. He is in this place to meet your need, whatever it is. It's not about what I can do, what you can do. It's about what he can do. And that's what this message is about today. John chapter 8, verse 31, and we're going to read down through to verse 36. We need to hear the word of the Lord because so often... We are hearing what man has to say. We're hearing what the devil has to say. We're hearing what our hearts have to say. But we got to start listening to God. God is the one who can set us free. The Bible says this, reading from the NIV, it says to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Verse 32, then you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. This is why it is absolutely important that we read the scripture, that we know the scripture, we get it into our hearts because this is the truth. This is what God has to say and God only speaks truth. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are <coughs> Abraham's descendants. And have never been slaves of anyone. <laughs> they obviously forgot their history at that point. They absolutely had been. Some 400 years they had spent in Egypt. They clearly forgot the times throughout the books of the judges where they were subservient to nations around them. They forgot about the Babylonian captivity of 70 years where they spent in a foreign land. They forgot about that, but they said, we've never been slaves to anyone. How can you say that we will be set free? And in fact, the time that they were living in, they weren't slaves, but they were under Roman rule. Jesus replied, Jesus isn't talking about that type of slavery. He's not talking about that kind of political and, and uh, situation, but the Bible says, he replied, I tell you the truth, 
Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. I want you to see that. He put it in a spiritual perspective, not physical, but in a spiritual perspective. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, I want to just stop here for a second and qualify what it was that Jesus was saying and make sure that we understand. Jesus is not saying, you know, the occasional slip every now and then. He is talking about that word, everyone who sins, talks about an habitual activity. It talks about violating Scripture and going against it, not just, you know, you fell into sin, there was a moment of weakness, but you repent, and you're on your way. You're not going back to the same nonsense. This is, you're just doing the same kind of thing over and over and over and over again. So everyone who sins, he says, is a slave to sin. You're not free. You might think you're free because you attend church. Glad you attend church but that doesn't make you free. Doesn't change what's going on in your heart. The only one who can change that is Jesus. The Bible says this, now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. Now here it is. He's going to take that son, that example son, and now he's going to change it and let people know that the real son, the son of God, is the one who changes and confers upon the slave a status that they could never have dreamed that they would have. The Bible says, so if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Brothers and sisters, if there is anything that we need, it is this, an encounter with the Son. An encounter with Jesus Christ who will change your life for all of eternity. He will bring you out of slavery in sin and he will bring you into a new hope and a new life. And the Bible says in the book of Romans that he has adopted us. I don't know about you, but that makes me excited because there isn't anything that I could have ever done to free myself from slavery in sin. I couldn't have extracted myself. I couldn't have done it. I don't care what kind of programs you have. I don't care what kind of political movement you have. There is nothing that can ever change the heart of mankind the way the Son of God can. He gave his life on the cross. This is why Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. Brothers and sisters, that's what we have to do. We got to lift up Jesus. We got to lift up the fact that he can free people. That I may not be able to help you, but today the son is present to set you free from whatever it is that binds you and holds you back. Listen, it might be something that may not be found in the Bible, but instead you find that you are a slave to that thing and you can't break free of it. God wants you to know there is freedom through the power of Jesus Christ and he can, in fact, set you free from whatever habit, whatever thing you're involved in, whatever it is that is chaining you down. God needs you to know today that you absolutely can be free. You can be free. 
You don't have to stay the way you are. You don't have to stay in that situation. It doesn't have to be that you sit there and you say, I can't, I can't, I can't. I want you to know that you might not be able to, but the power of Almighty God can come down in that moment and He can change your heart. He can change your life. He can give you new cravings and He can take the old ones away and He can chuck them away so far from you. You never thought you ever did it in the past. You couldn't have imagined how could I have ever done that. We drag so much junk along with us, brothers and sisters. You say, well, you might be talking about particular habits, and I'm not naming any. So that any of you, he is sitting here today, say, well, pastor knows my situation. He's picking on me today. I'm not picking on anybody. Not picking on anybody. I'm here to pick on the devil. The devil sold you a bill of goods. You bought the whole thing, hook, line, and sinker. You swallowed it all. And then you, we get, you know, little feelings about whether or not the pastor gets too close to where we're living and what's going on in our lives and how it is that he's preaching. Oh, you know, pastor, he offended me. I'm going home, and we're just going to discuss how the pastor offended me. I'm not, look, you can discuss all you want, but I'm here to let you know today God wants you free. He wants you free. He doesn't want you bound to some kind of thing today, whatever it might be. The Bible lets us know this. Turn over in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 14. Exodus chapter 14. The Bible says this, Moses Chapter 14 and verse 13. Now you can imagine the people of Israel after 400 years of being in Egypt. And much of that time they spent under the cruel, hard bondage of slavery to Pharaoh. In fact, toward the end, Pharaoh made their lives so unbelievably miserable. He made it hard as soon as Moses walked in and said, let my people go. All of a sudden, Pharaoh started making things harder for the people. And, hey, you know, we, we, it goes back 10 times. There were 10 plagues that get through. And now, finally, at that last plague, Pharaoh says, get these people out of here. I can't take it. He says, fine, just go. Get out of my country. And they're on their way out. And as they're on their way out, the Bible lets us know they approach the Red Sea. And they're there. They're there at the Red Sea, and then all of a sudden, during this whole time where they're marching out of Egypt and they're on their way out, Pharaoh has another change of heart. And he says, I want you to get as many people together as you can, and let's go get those people and bring them back. I can't lose this slave labor. Go get them and bring them back. And he's on his way out there to go get them. And, and, and so the people of Israel are now, they're in a position where they're trapped. They are in a place that they can't get out of themselves. They can't do it. They don't have the power. They don't have the ability. And they certainly don't have the strategy to be able to somehow manipulate this situation and escape. How do you escape with a million and a half to two million people plus sheep and cows and all the things that they were bringing with them, all the gold and all the silver that, that the Egyptians had given to them and said, here, please go. They can't get out of it now. They got Pharaoh behind them. 
They got the mountains on either side of them, and they've got a Red Sea in front of them, and they can't do it. Listen to what God says, verse 13, and what Moses says. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see, your oppressors, those things, those people who brought you down, those people who abused you, that habit, those things in your life that you can't break free from, those things in your life that are oppressing your spirit and oppressing your life and making you feel that somehow you can't quite serve God the way that you were supposed to, you will never see again. I want you to see that. You'll never see them again. You can apply it to your situation. You can apply it to your life. He said those Egyptians, they are your oppressors. And I want you to know that while you look back and you see they're coming after you, guess what? You're never going to see them again. And they can't even begin to imagine how God is going to do it. But we know the rest of this story. Pretty much everybody knows the story of the opening of the Red Sea. God becomes down and he stirs that water and he parts that Red Sea and pushes that water back so they can walk through on dry ground. You might think today that somehow you cannot make it, that you can't get, you can't beat that thing. I'm here to let you know that you might not be able to beat it, but there is a God in heaven who can beat it for you. There is a God in heaven who loves you so very much that he doesn't want you to be bound by anything that you're dragging along with you. Whether it is there are things in your life that you brought from your past into the present or things that you're dragging with you and you just can't break free you need to know that he will set you free you'll never see them you will never see them again listen there's an also another verse of scripture that i want you to go to deuteronomy go, turn over to deuteronomy chapter one and i want you to see this now we're on the other side we've gotten through the red sea we're on the other side of the Red Sea. The waters closed in over the Egyptians. And the word of the Lord came true. God said, you'll never see them again. And now those Egyptians, that Egyptian army, including Pharaoh, who had come with them, is, is, has been drowned in the sea. But now we see this over and over again in Exodus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. We see how the people of Israel get into a situation that is terribly difficult for them and listen to what they accuse God of. Imagine this. Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 27. Moses, this is essentially Moses' farewell speech. And Deuteronomy encompasses pretty much the end of Moses' life. And so he's recounting something that took place. We could read about it in Exodus, but something that took place then as they went through. The Bible says this, verse 27, says, you grumbled in your tents and said, get this, the Lord hates us. So he brought us out of Egypt to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us. Amazing. I don't know how many people think, you know, if I come to Jesus, 
I give my all to the Lord. I give my, I dedicate my life to the Lord. It's just going to be bad after that. Why would being delivered, being delivered from sin, somehow result in something worse of a mess that you had made? Why would Jesus deliver you from something in your life only to make it worse for you? He didn't bring them out into the desert over and over again. They said, Lord, you know, they come to one place. There was no water. What happened here? You know, did, did, Moses, did you bring us out here in the wilderness to die? No food. Come on, Lord. We had leeks and we had onions and we had all kinds of delicious food way back in Egypt. Why don't we just go back there? Why don't you go back into a life of slavery? Why don't you go back into a life of sin where the enemy had full control and you had none? Brothers and sisters, he did not bring you out of slavery. He did not bring you out and deliver you from a life of sin so that you could somehow wallow in a life of sin and be destroyed in the same thing when he broke you free he broke you free you do not have to be bound to that thing that once bound you in the past but he will loose the chains that bind you (laughs) the Lord hates us are you kidding me are you serious they accuse God of hating them because Lord the Amorites they're coming after us it's so hard You know, in our Christian life, we have come to the place where it's all about the trials rather than about the deliverance. We've come to the place where we, we talk more about what we're going through than what we have been through. There's a difference, folks. What we have been through is where God showed up and said, I'm going to deliver you. And he brought you out and he saved you and he gave you a hope and a future. But now many times as Christians, we kind of wallow around and, you know, it's kind of like Eeyore and Winnie the Pooh. Oh, poor me. Sorry. That's where I'm at in life. With two small ones. You know. Oh, I guess I'll be all right. Praise God. You know, if, if God brought you out of sin, can't we believe that he can deliver us from some, some habit, something that has us down, something that has us going back to it time and time again? And, and, and we, you know, we somehow think, well, I, I, I can't. I know you can't. You You, by yourself, all alone, you cannot. But I'm here to let you know that if God is able to bring you out of of slavery and sin and, and, and give you a new hope and a new future, he is certainly able to deliver you from something in your life that you want to get rid of. Look, I, I, you can watch all the self-help TV, I, all the kind of programs, read all the kinds of books you want. You might get a little bit of help, but there's no help like coming to the altar of prayer and saying, Lord, I'm going to lay it at your feet and I'm going to believe you that you are able to break the chain in my life and you are able to bring deliverance brothers and sisters this room has people in it right now that God has delivered them from cravings years of cravings years of things that were destroying their bodies and destroying their lives and they are free today because of the power of God God is able to do the same thing for you he is absolutely able 
The Bible lets us know that God is a merciful God. You say, well, I've prayed before. Well, how, how bad have you prayed? How serious are you? You know, Lord, you know, I need, I need help with this. Lord, help me. Amen. And then we just kind of go on our way. We, we expect the same thing all over again. Listen to what the Bible says. You know, God is so merciful. He is absolutely merciful. Turn over to the book of Judges, if you would. Judges. In the Old Testament, right after Joshua, which comes after Deuteronomy. If you're Deuteronomy, just go write a couple of books, and you're in Judges. The Bible says this, starting in chapter 3, and I'm going to read verse 9, and then verse 15. And then I want to read a couple of scriptures as well out of the book of Nehemiah, because Nehemiah also recounts what took place at this particular time in the history of Israel, though Nehemiah lived many, many years later. And it, it is this. The Bible says this. And this is as a result of the fact that they did what was evil in the eyes of the Lord. They gave themselves over to sin. And as a result of that, God just said, all right, come on, whatever, you know, ites are around, Hittites, you know, all of these other kinds of nations, Amorites, Ammonites, Moabites, all the ites. Go ahead, put them into slavery. Go ahead. Go on in there and just tear them up. But listen to what the Bible says. But when they cried out to the Lord, he raised up for them a deliverer. In this particular case, a deliverer by the name of Othniel, son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother who saved them. They cry out to the Lord, and what does God do? God doesn't sit there and make them squirm. God doesn't sit there and say, you know what, I want to make sure that you are serious with me. The Bible says they cried, which indicates to me this was not just a now I lay me down to sleep kind of prayer. This was God, you got to come, you got to do something, Lord. We know we've been sinful. We know we've, we've gone away from you. We know, Lord, please come and deliver us. Look at what the Bible says he does. He brought a deliverer to them. Verse 15. Again, the Israelites cried out to the Lord because after Othniel died, they went right back into the same kind of nonsense. And right again, God brought about this, this whole book of Judges. This, these are the cycles that go through this book. They sin. They give in to the flesh. God allows a nation to come in and, and destroy and oppress and bring them down. They cry out to the Lord. God brings a deliverer. He gives them a few years of peace. That deliverer dies off, and they go right back into sin. It's a, it's a vicious, vicious cycle all through the book of Judges. And right here again, again the Israelites, verse 15, cried out to the Lord, and he gave them a deliverer, Ehud, a left-handed man, the son of Gera the Benjamite, the Israelites sent him with tribute to Eglon, king of Moab. Such a wonderful story. You get a chance to read that. And it's very important that he was left-handed in this particular case because it was part of the deliverance that took place. But God brought about a deliverance again. Why? Because they cried. Brothers and sisters, your ability to call upon God in your hour of feeling like I've got to break free has everything to do with whether or not you will break free. We've got to get so disgusted with what it is that we're doing and what it is that we're involved in and the habits that we have. We've got to get so disgusted with it that we say, God, I need you. 
I absolutely need you to come down and I need you to help me to break free and I need you to know today he will help you help you Nehemiah chapter 9 you don't need to turn there verse 27 says and this is Nehemiah recounting essentially what took place in the book of Judges so you handed them over to their enemies who oppressed them but when they were oppressed they cried out to you from heaven you heard them You need to know that God is not deaf. He will hear you. And in your great compassion, you gave them deliverers who rescued them from the hand of their enemies. Verse 28 says, but as soon as they were at rest, they again did eat what was evil in your sight. Then you abandoned them to the hand of their enemies so that they ruled over them. And when they cried out to you again, you said, tough. Oh, no, that's not what he said. He said this, you heard from heaven, and in your compassion, you delivered them time after time. God is ever so patient with you. He is ever so patient with me. Brothers and sisters, I am so grateful that God didn't say, you know what, buddy, three strikes and you're out. Folks, this isn't baseball, okay? This is God we're dealing with. God says, look, you might have had a strike yesterday, one the other day, and one the other day. But it's not three strikes and you're out. Keep crying out to me and I will set you free. I'll bring freedom in your life. Turn over to 1 Samuel chapter 7. 1 Samuel 7. I need you to see what God will do for his people. You need to know that God will absolutely show up for you and deliver you. He'll bring about in your life a delivering hand if you are willing to return to him. 1 Samuel chapter 7 and verse 3. The Bible says this, And Samuel said to the whole house of Israel, If you are returning to the Lord with all your hearts, then rid yourselves of the foreign gods and the asterisks and commit yourselves to the Lord and serve Him only. And He will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. See that? He will deliver you. But I also believe that it's not just as a result of our praying but it's also a result of our committing. That we have to commit our all to the Lord. You know, there are a lot of people, you know, there was a phrase years ago, just try Jesus. As if somehow it's like a taste test. Well, in some ways, maybe it is. The psalmist said, taste the Lord, taste, taste, help me please. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Thank you. Taste and see that the Lord is good. But I got to tell you, it's more than just a try, folks. It's a commitment. If you want to be free, if you want to be free from the things that the enemy has held you captive with, then you need to do more than just a little taste. It needs to be that you commit your all. Samuel said, listen, that you've got to commit. If you're returning to the Lord with all your hearts, There are people who say, well, I've got enough God. That's all I need. I go to church and I'm fine. No, it's not. You're not fine. 
You've got to serve him with all of your heart. You've got to give him your best. You've got to give him your all. And brothers and sisters, in this day and age, the, what the world needs most is it needs to see men and women who are so absolutely committed to God that they will never go back into the life that they once used to live. That is the power of the testimony. He set you free. And brothers and sisters, if he set you free, he can set somebody else free too. I want to close with this. Turn over to Psalm. Psalm 3. Psalm 3. This is what the world says. This is what the devil says. And sadly enough, this is what many people believe. Even people sitting in the pew. This is what happens here. Verse 2 of Psalm 3. Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. Let me tell you something. The enemy will show up from time to time and say, God can't do that. You really believe that he can free you from that thing? Whether it's sin or whether it's just something the Bible doesn't even talk about. It's something, but it's something that you know. It's destroying the temple of the Holy Spirit. God can't do that for you. God can't minister in this situation. God cannot break the chains in your life in this moment. God can't do it. And that is the message of the enemy, that God can't. I'm here to let you know that there is nothing that God cannot do for you, that God can do anything and he can break the chains in your life. Whatever it is, whatever you've been dragging along with you, that ball and chain that you've been dragging with you, you need to know that he can break those chains. Listen, don't buy into the lie of the enemy. The, the enemy wants you to believe that God can't. But God can. The Bible reveals to us and reveals for us over and over again that he is omnipotent. That is, he has all power. How many of us in the room today, we feel omnipotent? <laughs> no, we don't. You know, I know, you know, you're, you're a younger man. And here's what the younger guys do. They go to the gym. They get at the bench press. And they see how much they can press. And they're there and they're, you know, they're shaking and their arms are just fighting against it. And then another guy sits down on the bench and he just takes what you were struggling with. And he, you know, four or five times. And then you just, oh, man, not as strong as him. But you put a little more weight on for the other guy, and same thing happens. I can't do it. We are not omnipotent, folks. We have finite power. And when it comes to the problems and the difficulties in our lives and the habits that we have formed over the years, we may not have the power and the enemy will come along and say that somehow God doesn't have the power either. You need to start seeing God for who he is rather than looking at him through the eyes of the enemy and looking at him through your own eyes and somehow thinking that he's the same as you. He's not the same as you. He's bigger than you. He's more powerful than you. He has all power and he can break the chains that the enemy said no he can't oh he absolutely can 
Listen to what the, the Bible says, Psalm 3, verses 7 and 8. It says this, Arise, O Lord. Psalmist, he cries out to the Lord, Arise, O Lord. Deliver me, O my God. He's calling upon the right one. He's going to the right place. He's crying out to the right one. Arise, O Lord. Deliver me, O my God. Strike all my enemies on the jaw. Break the teeth of the wicked. From the Lord comes deliverance. May your blessing be on your people. Selah. In other words, think about it. Dwell on it. Think on this particular thing. Meditate on this. But from the Lord comes deliverance. doesn't come from a man. It doesn't come through a program. It doesn't come through what I can say or I can do. But as long as we go to the word of God and we go to the Lord in prayer, the Bible lets us know that deliverance comes from him. I want us to stand to our feet right now in this building today. And we are going to believe God for deliverance.